Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. Um, we're not quite as delirious as of yet as, uh, as we were last week, but we've still got time, so we'll see how that goes. But we're joined by full roster again. Um, hello, Dave. How are we doing? Evening, Joe. Evening, everyone. Um, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. It's nearly Friday, so uh, weekends, put the, weekends put the feet up. Weekends put the feet up. Not for me. I'm in Leeds. Twice in two weeks. It is twice in two weeks, you're right. We are also joined by Mr. Gareth Dutton. Hello, Gref. How is the search for teeth? It's still ongoing. Fair play. Hello, Joe. How are you doing? I'm, I'm all right, mate. The, the, the quest for teeth, it's like the research of the leaky glasses, isn't it? It's just never ending. Never ending. And we're joined by Mr. Andy Stafford. Andy, how are we doing? Oh, Joe, not too bad, thanks. Uh, got a nice little uh, beef eater gin in my hands. Not Pink Whitney, but I'll have to do. Yeah, we're going to have to try this Pink Whitney. I'm, I'm intent on finding some Pink Whitney somewhere. Other alcohols are available on the market. This is true. This is true. Every alcohol is true. Sampling. Yes. Yes, treat responsibly. Never spill. <laughs> Never spill. It's all right. As long as you've got a balanced diet, you've got one in, one in each hand. We're declining swiftly, so we're going to have a topic. So, um, not quite as many signings to discuss as last time round. Uh, episode 38, we obviously had 38. Um, quite happy to say we don't have 39 to discuss in episode 39. Um, but just to list off the players that have signed since the last time that we spoke uh, James Livingston moved from Cardiff to the Five Flyers, uh, Elgin Pierce went to the Dundee Stars, uh, the Steelers announced their third goalie is William Curlin. Um, Jared Owlin joined Manchester. Pretty sure you'll hear about him from Gref later on. Um, Guildford have signed Jordan Rowley. Um, I have lost where I am. Jason DeSantis signed in Nottingham. Um, Kyle Just signed for Fife. Uh, Coventry got Charles Corcoran from Dundee. Uh, Brighton Priest signed for Dundee Stars. Uh, Dundee Stars also got Kevin DeFore. Uh, Fife announced their goalie as Adam Morrison and Yane Lakanen signed for Coventry. The Panthers have also now, well, officially lost Jaden Rissling, who signed for the South Carolina Stingrays. Uh, but I believe he's the only player that's left to go to another team um, over the last week. Um, so, gents, we will do what we did last week, go for a couple of players each, kind of pick out our two main players out of that. Dave, we'll keep it with you for the goalies as well, so uh, we'll come around to you in a bit. We'll start with Gref this time, because we know that he's going to say the Manchester player. So, Gref, why don't you tell us about Jared Owlin and then the other guy that you picked? Well, actually, I'll go with the other guy I picked first. Fair play. End on, end on the home on the home of run. Of course. Of course. So- one of the players I'm going to pick is Charles Corrigan. He's played for Dundee last year, put up 52 points in 60 games, signed for Lyon in the French League, and then Lyon are currently, they currently don't have a licence to play in their league anymore at the moment due to financial problems. So he's come out with contracts and he's going to sign for the Blaze. He's a player that I think the Blazers will love. He last season he just played. He was he was actually a brilliant player for Dundee as a centreman. He was winning quite a lot of faceoffs from 
what I've seen of him as well. So that's going to be definitely helping in like the special teams. So like on power plays or penalty kill. I think Danny Stewart's got a, a pretty good player there for them. I think Pasha will probably agree on that as well. And then obviously second player I'm choosing. None other than Lane Olmer's brother-in-law, Jared Olin. Okay. He's six foot, can play centre and right wing. Got drafted in the second round, 47 overall, by Colorado in 2000. Played 17 games for the LA Kings, 2002 and 2003. That's quite easy to be. You know you've got some potential there to be playing 17 games in the show. And you played the next couple of seasons in the AHL. Then went to the U Sports League and played for the University of Calgary. Then came back to the AHL with Syracuse Crunch. Then moved from there to the Alsvenska with Lexans. Then Obro. Got promoted with Obro into the SHL. Then went into the NLB with the Rappers Will Jonah Lakers, who are currently coached by former Manchester Storm player in the old days, Jeff Tomlinson, who was one of my favourite players back in the day. And last season ended in the DEL, played 19 games, 10 points. Looking forward to play, seeing him play. He's definitely going to be probably one of the first liners for us. I have I have two questions for you. The first one was how tempted we to go Yorkshire and go back in day. <laughs> uh, ask me tomorrow because I probably will say back in day. <laughs> and uh, my second question is, what's his nickname going to be? I have no idea yet. We'll let preseason happen first. Brilliant. Brilliant. No, to be fair, I mean, I think the two players that you've picked out look, look to be decent. I mean, Corcoran looks to be uh, certainly a decent addition um, there for Coventry. 52 games, uh, fifty-two points in 60 games. You know, the only thing that strikes me with him is 10 penalty minutes in 60 games as well. You, you don't often see that nowadays of a player getting... Um, I mean, just, that's, that's putting up less than two penalty minutes every 10 games. So, that's, that's, you know, pretty decent on that, on that front. Um Owlin brings some decent experience to you guys. So, you know, 37 year old, a lot of experience in top league. And also, the thing that you highlighted to us was signing straight out of the DEL as well. That's, that's, you know, yes, he might have been 36, 37 when he was playing for him, but 10 points in 19 games in the DEL certainly looks like he could still bring the points. Um, moving on then from those two, we move to Andy. Who are the two players that you've picked? The uh, two that I've gone for, uh, firstly, is James Livingston, who joins the Five Flyers from the Cardiff Devils. Uh, had a fairly average season for Cardiff, uh, six points in 21 games. Uh, I think that, that may be because he was just trying to get used to the league. Uh, I, I think in the last few years, certainly, he's, he's been more more adjusted to the European style. Uh, but but now that you know he's he's, he's, he's running a five-team, that just lost Brett Bulmer, a really good player for them, and made... made all the hell difference for him so they're going to need someone to step up and I think James Livingston is a good sign for them 
I think with, with, with the more knowledge of the league, I think he's going to have a better season with Fife. Uh, before that, uh, Gareth, he was with EC Bad Nauheim in the uh, DL2. 18 points in 25 games. It's not too bad going. Uh, also, with a, as we said, uh, the Sam last year, 2008, round three, 70 overall, peak by the St. Louis Blues. Uh, not before, not quite his prime yet. He's 29 years old. Uh, but I think once he reaches you know, a couple of years, 30, 31, I, I think he will find more of his feet. So a good signing for five overall. And the second player I've gone for uh, is a signing by the Coventry Blaze, and that's Yannick Larkinen. He joins from uh, GKS Katowice, who played Belfast in the Continental um, uh, Cup last season. Uh, got 48 points in 38 games, which is very, very good. Before that, he's had stints in the Liga with H with uh, Helsinki and Hamandina. Yes, my well, looks a very good signing. Uh, I'm not sure if you listened to Simpsons podcast last night, but he said that uh, out of country signings this week, uh, Lackanen wasn't quite up there with the ones I've signed already, but I, I, I don't think it's quite true. Yeah, he's an older guy. He's 37, 37 years old. Uh, and a left winger, but I, I think he's still got plenty of plenty of life life left in him, and I think he'll follow on from last season very well in country. Yeah, you've got to look at his last season stats as well, aren't you? I mean, forty eight points in thirty eight games. I know it's the Polish league, but it's thirty seven years old, and he's still able to put up the points. I, I think he brings experience from so many games in the league, and then to be able to still put up the points as well is. is Definitely looks to be a good asset for for Coventry. Um, so yeah, no, another another couple of good additions there. Um, the one thing that interested me with Livingston was the way that they announced, well, not necessarily announced him, but was their Twitter picture of him, which was they, they had ninety percent of the players in the Fife jerseys with some pretty bad edits to get the players in the jerseys, and then Livingston. They should have done. They should have done. Um, I mean, just just some of them were just brilliant. It was who was it? Was it Tim Crowder or Paul Crowder that had like a slice of his head taken off? I think it was Tim. Yeah. There was another player who had a black outline around his head. <laughs> um, and then Livingston was just my favourite because they kept him in a devil's jersey, but had evidently tried to edit his face or his head onto another jersey. And then realised they couldn't and hadn't undone the edits. So it was just like a bit of his neck missing in the jersey. Um, so <laughs> that gave me a good laugh. But, uh, but no, Was their last PowerPoint update about 17 years ago or something? I think so, yeah. I think so. Um, was it one of the videos that they, they kind of picked the, put the wrong brother in the announcement? Did they? I'm not, I missed that. Huh? I'm pretty certain that when they, they said, was it Paul Crowder who was announced last? Yes, I think so. And I think they put a video of Tim Crowder. In the announcement, because they, they then changed the video later on the day when they realised that they'd put the wrong one in. I, I don't think Fives had that good a summer when it comes to their uh, their PR. It was, I think, sorry, just to interrupt you, I think it was Tim Crowder that signed. <laughs> the other way around. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, thought it, I thought I'd double check, I've got, I've got the list in front. Sorry, go on. So yeah, I, I'm not sure Fives had that good a, a summer on the recruitment. Let's hope that they're. Uh, you know, if, if their editing skills are what we've seen so far, I'd, I'd want to buy their first program, see how bad it is. 
Yeah, but do you know what the thing is though? Because they make me laugh as well. Because some of their um, some of their announcements are just hilarious. Like was it wasn't it was it them that did? Uh, it was them that did the Pokemon one, wasn't it? Was that last year that they did a Pokemon one? Oh, I'm sure it was them that did the Pokemon one. And it was just stuff like that. And then they did, did somewhat, yeah. They've done a bullseye one this year. Have, uh, and did, yeah. eyes. <laughs> and then, um, I can't, I, I can't even remember what they tr- they tried to make a link on the last video as well, and I, it just it it just didn't really work. But yeah, no, it, it makes me laugh. I think this some of the some of the like badly edited things. It's a bit like the badly drawn EIHL pictures, isn't it? It's just got its own little charm about the fact that it's 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 like so bad at times that that's kind of the that's kind of the knack for it. But kind of just slightly segueing away from what I'm about videoing from the, how bad the five videos have been. And it's a completely different league, but a competition. But some of the um, CHL videos of Welcome to Unchowing Their Towns. Hey, Melina, where they did the Batman one. Up there. One of the best ones. If, if, for anyone listening, go on their YouTube page. You can have every team. Um, if I'm honest, I think Belfast is better than the Cardiff one. But Hey, is just the best one. They, they take... Um, a Batman story to it, and it's just hilarious. Fair play to him. It is quality, yeah, absolutely fantastic. I have to say, I haven't watched the Belfast or the Cardiff ones, but I, the two that I've seen, that one and the um, the Tapper one, made me laugh. <sighs> yes, Tapper one was uh, was funny. Belfast one's good. It's uh, Simon Kitchen in the Delorium. Uh, he's in, he enjoys himself a bit too much in that video, but fair play. It's better. I just think it's more of a upbeat vibe than the uh, the Cardiff one. They've got Luke Rowe, the cyclist, uh, uh, just dropping in to help out as you do um that we've Cardiff one so but uh, no go on to YouTube find the Hamelina one and then have the Batman theme song in your head for the rest of the day I don't even I think it's the, the Batman um, theme song it's just brilliant I the edit from the uh, I, I, I think it was Hitchy who, who did the edit for Belfast one <laughs> that was that was really funny. <laughs> it, it, it's amusing. It's um. It's also for a very distinct and and um. Very over mature, mature audience, shall we say? <laughs> Mark Hitchcock. Mark Hitchcock doing what Mark Hitchcock does well in his work. Do you want to all. try one again? I'm not going to edit. Do you want to try? No, no, we're not going to. I'm just going to stick to Hitchy. I've known the kid for long enough. I'm just going to stick to Hitchy. Fair play. We get yeah, but we're getting into Griff's like Manchester realms of giving everybody nicknames. I mean, he had that before the storm was alive. Second time round. Fair play, fair play. Um, swerving back, <laughs> swerving back onto, onto course. Anyway, Dave, we'll go back to you. We'll go to you next. There's these three netties that have signed this week. Do you want to tell us a little bit about them? We yeah, there has. So we'll we'll, we'll start with um, Dundee's signing of Bryson Priest, twenty-one uh, year old Welsh lad. Flawless accent there. As ever. Um, he's, <laughs> so there's going to be a bit of a link between him and, and the Sheffield goal that they've signed. He's spent a fair bit of time in North America. Um, three years are constantly um, under three goals, goals against average, which it's not the very top junior hockey, but the level that they're playing at is of a, of a level which is you know decent. If you're looking at... Um, 2.29, 2.92. In um, midget, he had seven games in the WSHL. Yeah, it was 3.99, seven games. Um, 
he moved to Coventry two years ago. He played six games there. Um, Stats-wise, not the best. However, he he was the backup. He missed he missed last year, and I don't know why. Unless that was injury or, or studies, because he's only a young kid. Um, but uh, you know, he, he's he's went away for three years to North America, come back, and I think was something that was on um, Sims's uh, periscope in terms of the the the, the lower end. And I respect some teams having taken a punt on the British player to actually start. Now, obviously, they've got their, their starting goalie. But having a backup who's had a bit of, you know, gone away, a bit of North American experience won't harm them at all. And probably the type of team that will actually go. And Pash is probably the type of coach to go, you know what, I'll tell you what, you play seven, eight, nine, get ten games. Just there you go. Because there's no pressure. So it was a good move for him, um, if we're honest. Uh, moving from, from Brayton to. Um, William Curling, who's signed in Sheffield, so he's the the Brit goalie, um, and I think we've found a bit of a, a bit of a gem, if I'm honest. Um, already played uh, GB under 18 and 20. Um, last year he played um, for the Ontario Hockey Academy Maroon. Um, there, very much so, um, always. 26 games, goals against 1.85 with a save percentage of 0.944, so at that level, very good. Um, again, spent years in North America, and I think this is going to be one where he will benefit, and I think the GB program will benefit, because he's going to be with two you know, decent end goalies, especially with um, Dua, who's going to give him some sort of the tips. He'll be training with him all the time. A couple of videos that the Steelers have put out, he looks, his movement looks good, so I think you know, that's a bit of a gem signing for the Steelers. Um, it's an upgrade in all respect to, to Brad Day, but it's an upgrade on the backup um, in that respect. And then we go to the starter of the three um, for five, Adam Morrison. And if I'm honest with you, you look at him, you look at his stats and you go, I'm not sure. Of all the starting netminders, his stats don't stand out. However... He's, he's had AHL experience. He's called up and down many, many times. And the thing to factor in, and we'll go for some of the teams and, and some of the, the stats there, Todd Dutiam and Jeff Hutchins always pick good goalies. Whether they've been, whether they've been at Fife or Hutchins at Dundee, they've always picked good goalies. They've always found good goalies. Um, so, you know, you look at, this last year was 12 games for South Carolina, 2.87 goals against over 900 save percentage. Um, where he started at Hershey Bears of the HL. A uh, year before, uh, played for Wheeling Nailers at East Coast and then was called up to Wilkes Bar. Um, so, you know, if you look at his stats, he's always kind of either constantly East Coast or getting a fair call up to the HL. So there must be something about him to get a call up to the HL. Um, but you look at his stats compared to the other starting goalers in the Elite League this year, not the best one. But I, you know, always in the back of my mind, they never pick a dud goalie. They, they do their research well, you know. And I think it was Hutchins who brought um, Dan Backler to Dundee, who then ended up playing for Falunda. Um And I think, you know, DEL. So, you know, they're the type of calibre that they pick goalies-wise. So, the benefit, though, because it sounds like I'm knocking the kid, is... Again, no disrespect to five. There's no pressure. The only pressure is the shoes to fill Shane Owen. But in terms of league pressure, it's not like there's an expectation. So could work in their favour. And, you know, more often than not, it does. 
So, as much as it's a wait and see signing, I think, I think again, I think they probably may have, may need a bit more polishing on the diamond, but I think they may have found a diamond in the rough. It's a good shout. Um, just so you know, Bacala plays in the EBEL, or played last year in the EBEL. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. That's, that's the thing for me. I mean, I, for me, it's very much on the line. It's kind of it could teach on the side of being a very good goalie. Could teach on the side of being an under par. But um, as you say, you don't get that many AHL call ups even to sit on the bench if there's nothing about your game. Um, he's generally stayed on the right side of ninety percent, other than a couple of seasons where he's he's played less games. He's obviously had a, a bad game or two, but. He doesn't really generally push 91 other than a couple of seasons. He's, he's had 91.4 back in 16-17, um, 92.6 back in 15-16. So there's been a couple of occasions, but I I, I, I agree with you. It's, it's a wait and see. And because I say, he could go on either side of the line there. Um, is this going to be the year that they don't bring in a good goalie? Could be. Could be. Could be. Wait and see. I have one thing to ask while we're on goalies, because we spoke about it on the last episode and we said about a, a concern about a lack of upcoming British netminders to kind of take over the generation after bounds and whistle. And we were kind of saying there's nobody at the moment that would fill that next void for a goalie. Do we think that these kind of signings like curling more so, and nothing against Priest, but more so curling than Priest in terms of the stats so far, what they've, the network that they've got to build up that potential. Do you think these are the kind of guys that we could be seeing pull over the, the seniors' GB jersey over over the head over the next 15, 10... I'm talking te- like 10 plus years, but... I, I think what we're going to see, I think a lot of the players, and we'll focus on the goals, but I know there's a number of forward and D that do the same, is that they go to North America to go to the college and, and play not top end on NCAA but play um, junior hockey over there one of the goalies for the Steel Z Apprentice um, Lang did the same and uh, had relatively okay stats um, so I think we're going to see a lot of goalies go over there and do their kind of learning and f- fine tuning their junior game to then come over and I think hopefully this is where it kind of starts from the goal perspective one big development that I saw in the summer in terms of from the EIHA is that they're now starting to approach a sort of kind of a, a net mining coach to look after the junior, so 20s downwards, who has networks. Um, it's a Ewing King used to play e- EPL. I'm going to look at Gref because I can't remember if it was Romford or Chelmsford back in the day. Or Peter, one of them, I have a Peter, but somewhat in think of Peter, but he's now the kind of the director of the goalies and the goal of coaching. And he's, he actually held a course in Cardiff where he brought, I'm going to say the Calgary netminding coach over to do um, a two day seminar with netminding coaches because that's the one thing you don't have um, a lot of is even, you know, there's only one team as far as I'm aware in the elite league that has a regular netminding coach. And that's Cardiff with uh, with Brabham, who's um, used to play for their original ENL team. Um, but he's actually he's a very good guy as well. So I think if you have the two factors with that in mind and, and sort of spotting who are the next ones to come through and have them on the radar and get them if they're in the if they're in basically the UK with some you know decent one to one coaching, 
because I think that's where it was going to need because from one aspect now with the the new NIHL Premier you know EPL point two you now got the opportunity for goalies to go into there and I think you'll see um, a few of them move up and down so I think they see Ashley Smith move Hull to Manchester every so often to just to get more experience and, and so on and so forth Gospel will probably do the same going to Nottingham um, maybe even Brad Day may move if that you know you know just to get that experience if you have that breeding ground now these kids come back over from North America give them the opportunity I think you may see some of them and I think they'll just be kind of like we spoke last week who we think could be the backup for the Steelers and I bet none of us thought William Curling no because none of us because none of us knew William Curling existed and that's no disrespect to him but you know already he's got seven games um for the under 18s GB two games this year for under 20s so he's going to be kind of that you know radar of when it comes to the seniors so you know this year you had Bounds um, uh, Whistle and Murdy so is he you know that's the you know the third debt mining spot to have that chance of taking over so I, I, I hope this, the appointment spreads into the IHL and having and getting them to have to, the EHL to help with the radar spotting of, of young netminders to say right, let's get them with teams, work together, and say right, you know, one of you know, be the draft type thing, but we'll get one goal to go to all the teams. You know, if the base is Scotland, you've got Glasgow, Fife, um, and Dundee, where they can train with these with the professionals, train with the, the guys who've played a lot of AHL, NHL experience, KHL experience, and develop the games. So then when it comes to, you know, not just having someone just up at the door, but actually someone who could eventually, in three, four years' time, be able to challenge for 10, 15 starting games. And that way, hopefully, you'll see a better crop of goalies, British goalies, that can continue. And, you know, I don't know if we said it on last week's episode, we said it off-air. Baum's forced forced Murphy out of a game and didn't look back. And we need to see someone in the next three or four years to challenge and to be the next person to force Bounds out of a game and then to never look back. If we have that, then our future is good. But if we don't, and at the moment, you don't know who it could be. Real big danger. Yeah, definitely. Um... Moving from the goalies then, unless anybody else has got anything to add, um, <clears throat> the two players that I picked, or one of the guys that I picked um, from the signings from this week is Elgin Pierce, uh, signed in Dundee. Uh, 27-year-old kid, um, come straight from the ECHL. Uh, last season, 58 games, uh, 40 points for the Idaho Steelheads. Played five games in the AHL as well. Uh, season before that, 61 games, 50 points, and then again, seven games in the AHL. Uh, played a few games in the U Sports League as well, which obviously we've said increasingly over the last year that we're seeing more and more. Uh, 94 games, 93 points in the U Sports League across a few seasons. Uh, ECHL, 132 games, he put 0.71 points per game. So this certainly looks to be a guy that can help them create the chances you look at his points last year as I say 40 points but it's 20 goals 20 assists Um, previous year to that it was 23 goals 27 assists so it looks quite an even split between his playmaking and his goal scoring 
Um, 27 as well, so coming roughly to or maybe just edging over the peak of his career. So it looks to be a very good pickup for Dundee. Uh, could certainly help him put a few points on the board and could certainly help him take him to that next level. Um, always like to look for that consistency over the last couple of years. And to be fair, edging 40, 50 points over the last couple of seasons in the ECHL um, certainly looks promising for him and for Dundee. Um, the other player that I have picked, and you will soon figure out the, the link and the reason that I have picked this particular player, uh, is Jason DeSantis for the Nottingham Panthers. Uh, 33 years old, so a little bit more experience, coming straight out of the EBEL. Uh, 48 games, 14 points last year. Um, he played in the Alps Hockey League the year before that uh, for Lustenau. Um, 34 games, 40 points. So, you know, he's... he's Again, kind of knows where the net is, knows how to put the points up. Looks to be more playmaking. I'm seeing more numbers in the assists than in the goals. Uh, but he's played a fair few games in the AHL as well. 206 games in the AHL, 0.41 points per game. Um, you don't play 206 games in the AHL unless you've got something about your game and you've got some ability. Um, ECHL, for only 45 games. So, as well... Generally, would if that type of play you'd see him bouncing between the ECHL and the AHL. So to sit to 206 AHL games without matching or, or putting up more ECHL games um, is to be a decent pick. Um, the one thing that stands out the most for me about this player, and it will be of no benefit to Nottingham whatsoever. However, he played two years in the EBEL for the infamous Klagenfurt uh, team, the team that we also love. Um, so yeah I mean he looks to be a good pick for Nottingham uh, say 33 so he's not he's not getting to the age of the 36 37 year olds that you'd say are bringing a lot of experience but at the same time fair amount of games in a few top leagues 50 games in the league as well Um, so I think he should bring something to this Nottingham team also announced at the shirt launch was he not I believe he was he was Revealed as he walked into the the, um, the bank because it was held at the Nottingham building site, what it is, but it was it was waltzed into in front of the counter as the new signing. Yeah, I quite like that they did that. I, I, it, it kind of reminds you of the times when like you were waiting for an announcement to be made about a Steelers signing, and you'd be buying the Star in the morning or like going on the Star website because we were letting them announce a lot. It's kind of that. I like the fact that it's not just oh we're announcing him. It's on Twitter. They've done it a few times over the years um, where they've had like a press conference um, and then they've said him be telling the announcements and then he comes on and then they say who it is and they did it when Blaisdell went back when he went from Sheffield went back to Canada for a bit and. and went to Nottingham and they announced him and it was kind of what we announced on a new coach and it was like the rumour mill was it was Blaisdell um, a couple of funny stories about that but that's not for this podcast unfortunately um, but uh, no they have, a, they have a reputation to it because for all due respect to Nottingham they do I'll say they like to do things and show themselves in a better light than everyone else in terms of whereas most teams will announce a signing now most teams will have a video to announce a signing. And they kind of like to do things similar to football in terms of, here's a press conference, but then everyone knows that the person signed. They like to kind of have that reveal at the press conference. But that's what they want to do, and you know that's what makes them different to the rest. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. 
Um, but they have that history of wanting to, to have that standard of surprising their fans. Yeah, I, 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 just, I just think it's quite a nice, like, I guess it's just quite nice to see something that actually manages to stay off Twitter. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, so a certain Twitter account didn't hack into their emails then? Well, yeah. Allegedly. But that, that's the thing. I just I just think every time it's now, it's just whenever there's, oh, there's going to be a signing, oh, it's okay. Like, by the time that it's announced, 90% of Twitter's full of who it's going to be. And it's just like, by that point, you've heard the name. I just quite like the fact that it's quiet. It's not, oh, we're going to make an announcement. It's just, oh, by the way, while we're at this, while we're at this here he is. He's just, he, he's just something quite satisfying about the fact that it's not just plastered over all over Twitter. Yeah. Oh, I agree with that. Um, but, yeah, yeah they're, my, they're my two picks. They're our, um, I'd say, eight picks. But we got, we, I think we had nine there, didn't we? Three three for Dave, being greedy. Always. Um, so, yeah, so we move on then. We do exactly what we did last week. We picked two teams out of the remaining eight in the league. Uh, so last year, last year, last week, uh, we discussed Belfast and Cardiff. Uh, so this week we are going for the Midlands. We're going Coventry and Nottingham. So we'll start with the Panthers. Uh, I'll throw it over to Gref and Andy because I've not heard them speak for a while. So, um, guys, what do we think to the Nottingham roster? I think it's pretty good, to be fair. I mean, with the signing of Mark Matheson from you guys, he's going to help the likes of Hazel Dyer and Tetlow in defence. So that'll be good for for training hell improves that game a bit further or try to at least signing of Jackson Whistle pretty decent and then the re-signing of Brett Pellini as well was I, I reckon that is a pretty good good bit of work from Deuce and Doucette and Wallace he, even getting Brett Bowler in that's a great sign because he knows the league he can put, and we all know how well he can put the puck in the net I will start from the goal is downwards uh, Kevin Carr I mean uh, a few players were a bit um, I'd say upset that it, it wasn't Danny Taylor but still I, I think he's a good goal like Kevin Carr you know he's, he's Averaging 0.9, same percentage of season uh, in the CHL is very, very good. Sam Gospel, who I have no doubt, I, I think will be one of the top Britain net minds in, in a couple of years. Uh, Jackson Whistle, apart from Sheffield, did a, did a decent job last year. I think I can pretty much replicate that. Uh, Brian Connolly, Adam Deutsch, good, good uh, credentials in the, in the European leagues between them. Danny Fick. From uh, William Nailers in the ECHL, very good, very good stats from him. Joshua Tetlow, uh, again, I think he's, he's going to be in the uh, in the VB set. No doubt in, in the near future, very good prospect, very up, 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 up and coming guy. Brett Bulmer, as I mentioned earlier, from Fife, a really good sign for them. Golovkovs, played for MK last season, was one of their top scorers, a very good player. Sam Hur from uh, the AHL, Jack has looked good as well, so is Loiseau. Uh, William Quist as well. So, yes, yeah, some very good players, uh, especially with turning Brett Pellini, Blakovic, I'll, I'll do very, again, a very, very 
really good job. He's looking very, he's looking pretty good for that again. It's a very un-Nottingham team. In the aspect of there's no major marquee signing of a million one NHL games. You know, if you look at the bad likes of Cam Janssen, McGratton, that type of star name to sell themselves. Um, Doucette and, and Wallace have gone a complete different direction. And very European, which is going to take some time to win over the fan base because they're used to a style of North American hockey. They, they are more vocal as an average of all the fan bases against the European style of hockey. So I think it's going to take a time to go, but I must admit, I'm saying it's an un-Nottingham team. There's a lot of skill in that team. There's a lot of speed in that team. Pellini, again, with both domestic and GB hat on, top signing, one I would love to see in orange. Um, and they've, they've got a team that any other roster, you'd go, no, not bad. They're not bad at all. And it just fits with whichever team, but we're not in And they're, the way they do things, the way they go about themselves, and the type of hockey they play, it's just very unlike them. But that's not to say that they're not going to be as successful as previous teams. Maybe not last year's, but previous teams that have done well, won silverware. I think this, the collective, what they have, they've picked well, they've picked wise. And they've got a lot of players who know the league. Which, unlike the, like the coach, you need to have a coach for it to be successful, as history suggests, got to know the league, understand the league. And I, you know, some of the most of the signings do that. So, yeah, unlike them in terms of their normal team, but it's definitely a team to keep an eye on. They're just going to go under the radar, and any success they will do will be under the radar and then just go and, and get whatever success they can get. And that's not saying that it's going to be kind of a, a luck job. It's just I you look at the other teams, you look at Belfast Cardiff, they will be headlining all season and I don't think Nottingham in terms of what they have as a team will go above that radar but if they are able to be successful they'll just do it, keep under the radar and hit them at the last minute and I think that's how they'll get their success this is cool. and I think Guys, just go back to what Dave said because my Wi-Fi dropped for a second then, and it do, just completely. Do, do, do you want me to do my bit again? Um, just well, just just kind of wrap up on Nottingham. Really, I've got most of it, but then it just kind of froze. Okay. Do you want me, do, do, counting or just go from? Just, the gap? just go. Okay. Just go. I'll let it in a second. No, that's fine. So as, as a team, I think they're just gonna they're gonna do an under radar job, and they're just gonna coast under the the headline that Cardiff and Belfast and Sheffield will do. And if they're going to get any success, it'll be at the last minute where they'll do the damage when no one can recover. And that's not to say that it's a bad thing. You just look at the the known firepower that the other teams have. I just don't think Nottingham can compete, but I think if they can gel and get some, a string of results, I think that's how they're going to get themselves back in. So apologies for that. We had a, a few tech issues um, slash my Wi-Fi is terrible and just decided to keep me out completely. Um, I think we're back up and running. Fingers crossed we can uh, we can stay uh, back and connected for the next bit. But Dave, sorry, do you want to carry on with what you were saying about Nottingham? I will do, mate, but I think you need some technical support. Um, but yeah, Nottingham, 
Uh, as I mentioned, they're an un-Nottingham un team in respect of no big name, no massive resume. But I think Doucette and Wallace has recruited well. They've recruited wisely. They've got a lot of league experience. People know how the league go. You know, that, you know, rainy night in Dundee on a Tuesday, that type of scenario. So... I think twofold. I think they'll go under the radar in terms of against the likes of Belfast, Cardiff, and Sheffield, where firepower to firepower, I don't think they match. But they'll look the type of team that can get a run of 10, 15 wins and just go from there. Um, so I think that's how they'll do it if they're going to do anything. And I'm not saying they're not. I just think compared to other teams on paper, they're more likely not. Looking at this type of player they signed, it's it's one that they could go on a run of 10, 15 games, win every one of them, and then they could just ride off that wave of you know, just go from there. And who knows? Um, but you know, Nottingham are never poor. Nottingham are never bad. Nottingham are never a seventh, eighth place team. But we also said that about Sheffield. So and look what happened last year. So, proof's in the pudding. I think they'll be all right. It's just a very un-Nottingham team that we're going to see next year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you look at the amount of um, game experience. I mean, look across, like, Sheffield, a lot of NHL experience, a lot of AHL experience, a lot of KHL experience. Um, you know, Belfast, very similar. bit of Liga experience as well in there. That type of thing. Cardiff, similar. The one thing that stands out to me with Nottingham is their main... Well, they've got 796 games of experience in the AHL. Or is that 1796? I can't actually see it. Um, but they've also got 791 games of experience in the Al Svenskan, Um Which says one thing to me, considering the fact that your Al Svenskan league is often your league that you kind of... Your Swedish junior leagues kind of feed into... And obviously the, the league that feeds into the SHL. Nottingham, well, other than maybe a couple of players who have got a few years under the belt, but there's nobody that strikes me as being too old to make a difference. I mean, their forwards are all, other than John Rull are, are all, and Jens Jacobs, they're mainly under 30. And, and to be fair, having a lot of experience that Al Svenskin league, I think this is going to be a very quick Nottingham team that we're going to see. Um, and that could be a big difference maker. I mean, we see the speed in hockey's constantly stepping up, constantly getting quicker and quicker. Um, it'd be interesting to see if that's the route they went down. They haven't really got the big guy that's going to make a difference. I don't think Lapine's going to have the effect that he had previously. He didn't really do a great deal last year. Um, but it's going to be interesting. I, I've said it all the way through their signings that there are concerningly underwhelming was the way that, I, that I've phrased their team so far and, and I, I stand by that I still think that they are um, but they're also going to have the best one or one of the best one two goalie punches in the league Kevin Carr and Jackson Whistle backing up you know that that, that speaks volumes they're going to be they're going to be strong at the back speed moving forward um, yeah interesting um so if we move from Nottingham uh, to Coventry, what do we? Uh, I'll throw it back to Gref and Andy first. What do we think to the Coventry roster? Personally, I think the goal is 
pretty. It's going to be a stellar signing for them. It's going to help them massively. Uh, they've done well in. Uh, no disrespect to the guy, but they've done well in getting rid of Kevin Noble. In fact, the only elite league fan that would say no disrespect to the guy, but fair play. Pretty much, I'll, I'll, I'll be nice for a change. But no. But yeah. They've signed Drew Shustle for Cardiff. That's a great signing for them. Got a lot of AHL experience. And the signing of Evan Bloodoff, who put in a, a last amount of points last season in five. And then Blaze will be hoping he can do the exact same again. Jamie Phillips, what a, what a signing he's come through. I think he'll make, he'll, uh, make all the difference to a, to a team next season. A very good goal he is, but he's got fantastic AHL, AHL experience. Still very young as well, so there's still room for him to, to grow and develop. I think he'll do fantastically um, for Coventry. Uh, further down in the D, retain Justin Hache, uh, did a good job last season. I think he'll follow on from that very well. David Barrow. Got experience in the NHL, IHL, uh, and ECHL, but last season was minus 13. Uh, not sure how he'll do, the, he'll do there. Corcoran, as I mentioned before, good player. Uh, signed from uh, Dundee. Luke Ferrara and R- Ross Phoenix, two very good Brits. Uh, I pretty much had a standout season in Contra last season. I, I think they'll do, do very good again. Together, uh, the, the, the great. Uh, Andrew Johnson. Fantastic experience. I, I wouldn't surprise me if, if he's one of their top scorers. Uh, again, like I mentioned before, y- Yanni Lackanen, uh, the oldest guy on the team, uh, still put still put good points. Dylan Lawrence again resigning from last season, and uh, Matt and Chris Paul Camp, two brothers. So maybe they'll find us a bit a bit of chemistry beyond on, on on the same kind of line. So yeah, um, doesn't look amazing. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. Some good signings there, but overall, uh, pretty me- mediocre, I think, apart from the first two lines. Still got a, a forward to find, possibly one more D-man, we'll have to see, but yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll find uh, another forward that's really, really good. I'll look at the roster, uh, and compared to last year, they've, they've upgraded in every section. The net mining is better. The defence is better on paper. The forwards are better um, overall for me. Um, okay, that weren't much of a comparison in terms of last year. As much as they battled and they, and they scraped into the playoffs, uh, I think they knocked Manchester out, I think. Um, they still weren't that good a side. Um, we all had them as one of the three to, I think, miss out the, uh, the, the playoffs. At the beginning of the last year, I think yeah. we, we had that. So, so they've upgraded on the team. I think one of the points that you raised, Joe, in a number of times is that they had to replace the point production that missing or losing Ben Lake and Nicky Forrock. Now, for me, they've not replaced them like for like. What they seem to have done is I think they seem to have spread the work. And they've, instead of having two guys with all the points, they've got like four or five. They'll probably bring in the same amount of points. Now, that could go one of two ways. If they have got, they are going to bring in another four, which I know what Andy's saying. I would agree that they probably do need another four, but they're coming out saying that their roster is now complete, unless they sign a, a two-way a GB player. 
is that it's going to hopefully be infectious where they'll get points and they'll just find form and then you do, they'll they'll replace the point production for the two players but then they'll have their own additional point production and I think that's what I think Danny Stewart's hoping going down that route where it's instead of two guys that shut two down you shut Coventry you've got to shut five or six now it may work the one thing I think you'll find with games against Coventry it's going to be very tight defensively they've got up there with one of the, one of the probably one of the top five goalers in the league um, and with a number of import goalers this year so who I got a great recommendation from uh, ex-Storm player ex-Basic player Mark Bernard um, and you know that guy knows a thing or two about net mining so um, I, I think Coventry will be very defensive very tight I think don't I'm going to say this respectfully don't go to the games expecting a goal fest I think it's going to be very structured defensively and they're going to go and win two games 2-1 two, 3-2 three, 3-1 two, three, a bit like the old New Jersey way but without the clutch and grab um, so I think they will want to be aiming for 6th for 6th place they'll not want to have a dog race for the playoffs can they get 5th 6th place possible they'll, they'll want to try and get as close to the top of I think they'll still be in the dog fight to the last weekend of the season for the playoffs and whether they're not in Manchester again I don't know but I think that's where because I think it's the, the having that one out and out sniper which, they've got point scorers the resumes show that but it's, you know they haven't got that Ben Lake or Nicky Fork so going for a balanced team may work in their favour who knows Ask the question in November and we'll, we'll have probably have a better picture of how that team will pan out. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, I, I still think very underwhelming on paper. Um, I agree they've upgraded in certain areas. I just, I just don't think they have enough scoring on this team. Um, fully agree about Phillips. Looks to be a very good goalie to have brought in. Um, still buzzing on the way that they announced him, saying who wants a, a goalie with that that's not called Taylor. Um, but... Yeah, I just, I mean, they've got a very young defence, um, 24, 25, kind of in your, your, your top, other than she's still obviously at 30. But generally speaking, we're talking 24, 25, and then obviously the 18-year-old Oliver Lord. But, you know, Hache's showing he can put up the points. Uh, we've got a couple of unknowns in there. Um, you know, Eichstadt coming straight from the NCAA. We always say with those players coming in with a point to prove, coming in hungry, want to prove themselves to, to be capable in a higher league. So, to be fair, um, you know, they could bring something to the table. Uh, you've got Justin Hamannick, uh, obviously, you know, 42 games in France last year. A few, few games in the AHL, so again, you don't make it up to that level unless you've got some ability. So, he could be a decent asset to them. Um, I just, that's just the one thing that just sticks in my mind. I just don't think they have the scoring um, and they don't for a start they don't have four lines of, of forwards they've got what two three two three two three they've got three three lines two um, in terms of forwards so unless they're going to double shift someone or sign someone else but Dave as you say they've, they've announced already that their roster's complete so Cochran good signing for them Bloodoff good signing for them um Larkinen looks like he could bring some scoring to the table even at 37 and he's going to bring some experience as well so I think that is going to be the difference maker for them um, 
I just, I, I still think even spread across those three players, I don't think there's really anybody else that's going to bring a lot of goals. Maybe Andrew Johnston. Uh, you look at his point production over the last few years: forty games in, forty goals in forty-four in Bordeaux, fifty points in forty-four at the Chamonix, uh, so both in the French league, forty-four points in forty games in the in the Erste Liga. Um, so do you know? No, he, he, he could he could bring some points in as well. As I say, I could be completely wrong. It could be a case that they, they gel a lot better on paper. It could very much be a case of the underdogs without the pressure on the backs are the ones that come out shining a little bit more than you expect. But my my interpretation of this roster, my, my thinking about this roster is just, I just still think it lacks in scoring. I don't think that the... I don't think they're going to finish in the top. But these would be one of my bottom two. These would be one of my two that don't make playoffs this year. But we've, we've seen it before where you, you look at teams and look at forward rosters and you kind of go, they're going to be light. And then you get a lot of them score very quickly across the three lines and it kind of just, it becomes infectious. And yeah. then they kind of just go from there. I think that's, if I'm honest, because if I look at the team and I'm like, I, I agree with you in terms of the points. It's it's what, I think they replace the points of Lake and Nicky Forrick as I mentioned, but then they've, where's the points that they're going to bring? So it's kind of missing that, that chunk of points. But I think if they can get on a roll, they say they win the first four or five games and, the, and all three lines are scoring points and they start just to get, you know, find the form, get the click, click collectively across the lines. They make the Sky Dome rocking and all that jazz. Who knows? They may, you know, they may find a, a few top five point scorers. <clears throat> you know, when they signed Calden Carlson, no one knew him. They did by the end. So who knows? Yeah, that, that's it. It's, that it. I mean, at this point, it's very much clutching at straws and very much looking at the stats of the players previously. But the thing is, we've seen so many times players come into the league without the best stats, and then all of a sudden, you know, they put the decent stats up. I mean, that Andreas Valdis when he signed for the Steelers, I, I looked at his stats and thought, I don't know why we signed this guy. Solid third, fourth liner. Not really going to put up many points. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, Valdix was, was a very, very good asset for the Steelers in the in the years that he played for them. Uh, you know, completely different player to what his stats told that he might have been. So, you, you never know. They may have got a couple of players hidden in there that you don't expect, but actually pull 30, 40 points out of the boat. They'll, they'll certainly want more Valdix players than Peckers. What type player? Definitely, yeah. That's 100% true. It was also uh, Coventry, who Pecker's last game was against. Yes, it were. Because he bought ended Ben Olsen and then got a five-plus game for butt ending. Yes. It's the only reason I remember that. Um, but yeah, I, I think David Broll's going to bring some interest to the, to the team as well. I think that's the other thing. He's going to give them a bit of a spark. The, the thing to focus on with these, and it's hit the nail on the head uh, there, Dave, with, depending on what kind of streaks they can get as well if they can get on a roll if they can get a few wins under the belt this is quite a young team in comparison to a lot of teams their average age according to elite prospects is about 25.5 so to be fair in comparison to some other teams they're still getting players that are kind of either proving themselves or kind of just about moving just before the prime so if these kind of players are hungry for that you know they're pushing and they get a few wins under the belt that could be quite a dangerous team it's just very much a case of time will tell. Um, but yeah, certainly be interesting. But as I say, 
currently as we stand, I, I think, and I haven't, I haven't gone through every roster, so I may, may then put forward another two teams later on. But you know, I'm sure it's a question that we'll come to later on, uh, a few episodes down the line as to who will be the bottom two, who will be the top three type thing. But currently, I think these will be one of my bottom two. I'd agree with you at the moment. Andy, Gref, what do we think? Bottom two, or do we think they make playoffs? I'd say bottom two, yeah. I think bottom two as well. So sorry to any Coventry fans out there. We'd like to. None of us are saying that that's the ideal. We don't want to see that, but currently that's what I think. That's what we. So that's Coventry finishing third then this year. Yeah, I was saying you're going to finish in the bottom two. If anything, is 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 quite quite literally the opposite of the kiss of death, isn't it? It's, like, it's, it's reverse psychology, isn't it? But you're probably going to be good. <laughs> um, so moving on from the teams, moving to more of uh, an aesthetic side of things for a second. We've had a, a few jerseys that have been announced over the last week. The two that stand out for me, we've got Belfast jerseys and Nottingham jerseys. Standout may not be the right phrase, but we'll come around to that. We'll start with Belfast. Um, I think they were announced today, were they not? Tonight, yeah. Tonight. Um, one word defines these jerseys for me. Suspect it'll be a word that at least one of you will use. Um, boring. They are, but, I th- but look for their black jersey. Belfast, it saves them. That's a nice jersey. It's a yeah. nice. Is it like the black Cardiff jersey? It hasn't got the skyline and everything, but it's it's a nice jersey. It's also mainly their their 20th anniversary logo instead of the main Belfast logo. Um, there is a photo that's done the rounds um, on social media. Um, in fact, a, a kid we've had on the podcast for Tom Brownlee's put one on of all their shirts. So the white, the the teal one, the black one, the um, the pink one they obviously sell for the ladies, um, but the black one does save itself. Uh, it's nice. I like it. It's it's just a nice jersey. I mean, just uh, it's it's, a, it's all the triangles. I don't get. You know, the you know, Belfast can do as, but Cookery are very similar to Rhino in this context, of they can do all the uh, sublimative printing and everything and have some design and everything. And it, I just it's like. Uh, you can you know, Belfast had a few good shirts over the years, and then you see it's like, uh, shame really. Yeah, it is. I'm looking for these pictures now. Sorry, I am. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at them now. Uh, I agree with Dave on this. The black jersey just save it, especially with that 20th anniversary logo. The rest, they, yeah, they just look pretty boring. It's really stressing me out that I can't find it. It's Where is it? Where are you looking at? Twitter. Helpful. Um, I'm on Twitter. So if you search for um, oh, this, is this is how good our podcast is in terms of our research. I think if you search Tom Thomas Brownlee's Twitter account, which is at Doctor Thomas, Doctor underscore Thomas, um, it's on there, mate. Um, so we'll give him a shout out. Uh, thank you for sharing the photo, and that well, we can talk about. I've already looked on this, but I couldn't see them. Is it just the concepts rather than the actual... No, no, what they do is, so you know where the stall is at Belfast, where they sell all the merchandise? They've got the big banner which shows all the five all five jerseys, so you've got the teal, the white, the red one, which is all right. Black one for me is the best one, and then obviously the pink one that they sell for the ladies. Uh, do you know what? I actually saw that and just scrolled past it, so that's my... 
Yeah, I agree with you on that. Actually, the black one, I quite, I don't quite get the uh, the whole. I agree with you. I don't get the triangles, but yeah, the black one's quite nice. But I, I think the black one's just down to the logo. Possible, but I like the um, the teal on kind of the side bit. It kind of just it it just more just splits the the whole one color up. Whereas with the the normal home one, so the teal one, it's like a different shade trying to go into this pure black. You know, I mean, I'm no designer, but those, those are my two pennies on that one. Over the years, like, sorry, go on, Andy. Uh, over the years, I've 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 liked the designs that Cookery have come up with. Now that they've been unique, they've been uh, completely different to what you normally see around the league. But uh, this this year, just yeah, as as I said, it's very very boring. Uh, the triangles just don't make any sense at all. I'm not very keen on how they've just, just restricted the design to under the arms because obviously when it plays uh, playing, unless they've got their arms like wide open, you wouldn't be able to see anything of that design. A lot of Titanic uh, celebrations this year. Oh yeah, a lot, definitely. Um, the black one is nice. I do like the logo, but again, it's just a design. It's just restricted to under the arms that you're probably not going to see very much of. I'll say one thing that would have made would have made it for me. They do the obviously the shadowing on the back. Do you imagine if they had the shadowing as kind of the, the landscape with the Samson and Delilah? Do you imagine that <laughs> on them shirts? I, I think that would actually ah, really <laughs> stood them out. Um, I like how you said Delilah there. <laughs> but not the worst jerseys. We'll come right on. We'll come on to that. I've not finished on these yet. Because I have one, I have one observation which is quite interesting. What's the black jersey for? It's normally the cup jersey. Yeah. They share between the red and the black. So I've seen in both in in Challenge Cup. Interestingly, no headline sponsor on the black jersey though. Well, they've got a smaller version of that logo, so they've got the actual uh, league logo just on a smaller side. It's just standalining, very small on the top. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like that either. That that was the other bit that I was going to pick up on before we move on. I don't like the fact that I get the 20th lo- 20th anniversary logo on the others. I get that. That's good. Fair play. I like, you know, you've got the logo, then you might as well use it. Why if, I don't get why they've reversed it on the black one. And also, where's the sea going to go for the captain? Other side. Or above it. Oh, above, or in the middle. Yeah, it's one of the, the playoff ones. It's one of the playoff ones years ago. The the league one, the playoff ones that had the C and the A in the middle. Yeah. It's a be that. I feel like these might be one of the ones that look better in the flesh than look on, on pictures. I don't know. It's quite a breath of fresh air to not just see like a load of jerseys with a stripe down the middle, but I just don't, I just don't get it. But I'd like to see him. I'm not, I'm not fully slagging him off yet. I'd like to see him. Um, but Dave, as you've already touched on, and and as I'm on the subject of slagging off a jersey, um, we move on to the Nottingham jerseys. Um, so they've released the black and white ones, which I believe are the two league jerseys relatively standard boring to an extent but quite clean and quite you know I think 
the Nottingham Building Society logo actually makes their jerseys look better because it actually looks like quite a good logo to have on a jersey. So I, I think the black one and white ones can live with. Fair play. Not, not a bad jersey. A little bit boring, but I, I feel like you're kind of exhaust what kind of things we're going to expect on jerseys. So to be fair, not a bad job on the, on the two league ones. They're certainly not horrible by any means. And that's from a Sheffield fan talking about a Nottingham jersey. Um, what on earth? What on earth were they thinking about the cup jersey? It's green. Well, it, it's, Why is it green? It's making me turn green just looking at it. But Robin was from Loxley. Loxley's in Sheffield. So let's not have that discussion on the podcast, Gareth. That's, is that bad? I'm calling you Gareth. That's the only thing I can think of. They would say that. I'd, I'd, I'd like to be at the party that they were at that they were thinking that's good green because that must have been one hell of a party um, let's just go down that line I don't understand it just no I, I, yeah it's horrible and yes Nagan fans can listen and go hang on a minute you're a Chef fan you were orange and yes to a certain extent that's a fair and valid point but still green just had, there's no correlation there's no it's not even green you, know, you, you could kind of go you know well, our cup jersey will ever be um, blue and orange or black, which are predominantly old colours. So, kind of retro feel. I don't recall Nottingham having a retro jersey, or in the years I've been watching the sport, them having a green jersey as their predominant jersey. So, I, I'm, I'm, unless they've just picked a colour and gone, let's go with that. You know, like we've picked orange, let's go with that. Maybe they're doing that. That's our cup vision. We're going to have green jerseys. I don't know. Yeah, but I'm, trying, is, I, I'm is, trying to find some positive out of this because I really can't find any. It's not even it's not even the fact that it's green. It's not even the fact that it's green because do you know if they'd have picked like a like a strong green colour, fair play, but it's just like a dull. I, I honestly I can't even like I can't even put it in words. It's a like, it has actually re- actually rendered me speechless. Something that I never actually thought possible, but neither did we in fairness. Neither did anybody, to be fair. You're not. Gonna... <laughs> I just don't get it. I, I, I honestly thought it was a warm-up jersey at first, and I just thought, oh, fair play. They've got a sponsor, and that was the sponsor's colour, so they've gone with it. And then I, as I started to read it, I thought, actually, that's, that is their jersey. That Oh, my God. Well, that's what you find up the BFG's nose. <laughs> wow. I'm even going to ask why specifically the BFG. Because it looks like a big bugger, I suppose. Um, I'm not even going to argue with that. I'm just going to say fair play. I think we should leave it on that. I think we should. Yeah. And then next week when and more shirts released. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, this is going to be difficult to say as a, as a Steelers fan about a Nottingham jersey, though. If they'd have gone back to the maroon jersey oh yeah that maroon jersey as far as the Panthers jersey goes was actually quite a nice jersey no that was a nice jersey so if they'd have got what if they'd have gone maroon no other team in the league really maybe stepping into Guildford a little bit but you know would have looked quite looked quite nice quite clean I don't know why they don't stick with yellow to be perfectly honest Black and gold is what they cons- what, the, what the, the, the colours that they frequently say. 
and then they've got a black and a white jersey and then a green one. Where where's the gold? Well, yeah, I don't know. I do like home and away compared to last year's. I think the league home and away are nicer than last season's, uh, but apart from that. Yeah, as as I said, the league home and away ones, boring to an extent, just in that they're quite clean, there's not a lot going on. And when I say boring, I mean more design-wise than anything. They actually look like quite smart jerseys. I just don't, I honestly don't get the green one. There's actually a stellar picture on the Nottingham website. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, you have to click on the picture and it opens the full size picture on the website but it's a picture of them unveiling the green jersey and the look on one of the Nottingham fans faces as the as cover is lifted it's as if what the hell is that <laughs> and it just sums it up I think from what I've seen the response from a lot of their fan base has been very similar to what we're saying I don't know if anybody's seen anybody that says they like it, but yeah, certainly haven't. But yeah, I'm I'm going to swiftly suggest that we move on from this because a it means I could turn off the picture and b I feel that would be very negative. So apologies to any Nottingham fans, but the green jersey not a good look. I said just wait till next week when the Steelers one gets released. Oh yeah, big one. That's true. We've Coventry released theirs yet? I think they have. Uh, yeah, it's like one with the like flame sort of design on the. On oh the yeah, hold on. Coventry's is not made by Rhino this year. No, it's designed by John Gook. But it's but they're not all they're also not being made by Rhino though, are they? Or I misread that they might be. I think they are. I think it's the cup jersey may be done by five and three, but I think their league ones be done by. Ah, uh, fair play. Well, I, either way, in the, in that respect, I, they've gone down a different line this year, so that's fine. Um, Bottom line being, they usually look the same in different colours. Um, let's have a look. So, last couple of things that we've got on the agenda. Uh, got a few topics to discuss. Dave, you came up with the first one. Do you want to throw out a more playful question? Um, I Yes, I will do. So, it was something I saw on Twitter. Um, and I think we should spread it around this, this uh, uh, debating table. Basically... In the world of sports, if you could ban one single word that you could never be using any sport ever again, what would that word be? And let's start with start with Gref. In all sport, if there's one word you could ban that would never be used again in any way, shape or form, what would it be? Teeth. Uh, I'm alright with that. Classic. And I mean, we're all, we're all probably going to say it, but... Glassy is one of mine, but I, another one of mine is uh, shoot, and that's predominantly from the staff. <laughs> that's so annoying. Yeah, but I, hold on, I feel like the practicality of completely banning the word shoot from all was... sports context is like... <laughs> Just from a Sheffield sort of aspect, I think. Mean, He's going to take a target. on target. <laughs> <laughs> on net, on net. On net. Fire! <laughs> go back to medieval times. Joe! I mean, it's got to be classy, hasn't it? I, I, I know that Gref said it. Dave, I know you're going to say it. Andy, I know you <laughs> I'm said it. I'm going to say it, yeah. Cause it's it's the whole a... reason that, you, that this question has reared its ugly head is that we're all going to say classy. For what me, I mean, 
you lose a game, what do you, you try to score points? Oh, your fan base ain't being classy. You know, Maureen, 76 year old, she sat down, she looked to be funny, that weren't classy. What on earth's that about? Is that Maureen from Matacliff? Maureen from Hockley, Maureen from Donald. West Belfast, wherever she, wherever she supports. But she looked at that fan funnily, straight onto Twitter, their fan base ain't classy. Get it in the bin. Let's just ditch it now. It's just. It's just an abomination. It shows a lack of thought. It's just, to me, it's just, no. You've got to be classy. What? No. No. I just, I just think the hypocrisy of, a, of a, an ice hockey fan base saying you've got to be classy when two guys centre eyes drop the gloves and the whole arena stands up to watch them beat each other up. And then we've got to be classy. It's... I'm sorry, What? Like, perfect example, Pete Russell leaves Glasgow. Oh, yeah. Glasgow, uh, tweet out the response and, and the whole, we gave him a, however long it was, three-year contract. We put the faith in him and we're disappointed that he's not put the faith in us that he, we put in him. A reasonable response, to my mind, from a team that has just been left mid-recruitment by a coach that they thought they were going to have for the next three years. It's not by any means saying they don't wish him well. It's not by any means saying that they begrudge the fact that he's taken an opportunity in Europe. All it's saying is, we're dis- essentially, we're disappointed that he's gone. Why does that team, airing the disappointment that a coach has left them, mid-recruitment, mid-off-season, after they started building a team... What what's what does class have to do with that? Because if, because if you've nothing else to argue with, you've got to use the c word. It's like it's like the most offensive c word in hockey. It is. And I never thought that the traditional most offensive c word would be outplaced by another word. And class, he has done it. It's simple. I mean, if 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 you guys were a coach and you're offered more money to go here and there to, exactly. to explore to join a, a really good team who are probably a little bit of a better level maybe the Delta 2 than, it, than the Elite League is but you know still more money uh, a good experience more better experience as well for you know for Great Britain would you not take that? Precisely it's no brainer it's a better shopping window for him He's, he's looked after himself because you know players can look after themselves. Why can't coaches? And we had, we we had this argument and discussion when when it was announced and when we did the uh, the podcast after the World Champs because it was just around just before he left for, for Slovakia. Um, so yeah, but it's just fans just kind of like, it's like you, you've got to hold on to a crumb of comfort. And to me, it's like oh, well, we've lost the game. We've been outplayed. We've all this. What well, can I go and have a go? <gasps> Classy. It's just kind of like just just. Put it in the bin. Every single game, it rears its ugly head. It's just, I, it, I just, it baffles me. The only, the only, for me, the proper context in which that phrase should be used, particularly in hockey, and as I say, that's the thing that baffles me the most. You look back to old school hockey, where every night, like look back to like the Broad Street Bullies, the, the games where every single night players would be dropping their gloves fighting at centre-rise, you'd have two, three fights a game. Every team would have two, three, four players like Colt King, Tim Spencer, Guy Lapine at his best, 
Chris Frank was another guy that had dropped the gloves. You'd have like these tiers of fighters. You look at like Paul Bissonnette in the NHL and he was like the second or third fighter on the team. and He'd still go out and fight once or twice a night. And then all of a sudden, it's, oh, it's not classy. Well, I'm not being funny, but it's not exactly very classy to stand and drop the gloves and beat each other up. But I'm standing up and cheering when it happens. So, to me, the only context in which it's appropriate in a hockey game is it's more of a pet hate for me. It's more of a, for me, an unwritten rule. When you see a guy down injured on the ice, you clap when he gets up and it, it irritates me to see people chirping players that are down because I just think, particularly when it's from a bad hit, maybe if, if it's one where you think they've dived and they're just trying to draw an extra penalty, then fair play. But when you can see the guys taking a bad hit, bad hit prime example, like Tyson Marsh gets absolutely KO'd by, was it, was it Janssen that absolutely? Yeah. Tyson Marsh blatantly injured player or um, Mosey blatantly injured player that's that's the kind of situation where for me if you're chirping the guys he's coming off the ice that's the only appropriate context of the phrase classy for me and I wouldn't even say it at that point I'd just say show the guy some respect like at the end of the day he's, he's gone out and he's got injured nobody wants to see a player injured why are you chirping him but other than that, I can't see any possible use of the phrase classy in, in hockey. If, if we had an MFZ Room 101, that'd be the first entry in it for me. 100%. That and throwing under the bus. Definitely. So I'm interested to see if anybody else... Andy, I get I get the shoot thing. Yeah. We're stepping more into a pet hate of people shouting shoot when there's so- nothing to shoot at. So maybe we need to throw it out to once we release the podcast for tomorrow is what the list is. What's that one word? If you are in a sport, whether it is hockey, whether it's football, rugby, cricket or whatever, basketball, and there's one word that you would love to ban. Table tennis. Tweet us. Tell us, tell us what, you, what that one word is. And we'll, maybe we'll have a, a giggle at it next week if we uh, get a few uh, people saying what they think. I'm interested to see if any of you guys have got any more words. Because for me, classy is the only one that springs. I, I can't think classy. It's the only one I can think of as well. Same. Yeah, play. Not a broad church. Not a broad church on this one, uh, lads. No, it's not like us to agree. So, as Dave said, um, get in touch with us on social media. Good time to plug the social media, don't you think, Dave? Very much so, mate. Yeah, we're at MFZ Podcast on Twitter. It's My Fancy Zamboni Podcast on Facebook. Um, get in touch with us. Tell us your words to ban from all sport. Um, and tell us if you agree with the word classy being banned. Um, if you actually like the word classy, tell us why, why it fits sport. Give us an argument why we should keep classy. If you, if you give us a convincing enough argument... We'll get you on the podcast to debate with us why classy is, is not a word um, that should be included. So there's your incentive. If you think the word classy is appropriate in hockey or in sport, primarily in hockey, because I think it's two different things, but yeah, let us know. Um, the next question that I, is another one that I saw on Twitter, and I have to say, I have to give credit. credit it was actually on Craig Day's 
um, Twitter earlier. Uh, we haven't asked for questions this week. We don't have any questions, but this was just uh, one that I saw on his Twitter that just it just intrigued me. I just thought, I wondered what you guys would say. I think the results on the poll on his Twitter were about 50-50 at the time that I looked. I think it was just swaying one way, but it was, would you rather see performance over result or result over performance? I'm going to go performance over result. Yeah, performance to me as well. Uh, I mean, obviously the league is a very results-driven sort of thing, obviously, but, you know, even if you don't get results, just performance. Just know that every player is put 100%, every shift. That That's enough for me to be happy. I'm going to book the trend. I'm going to go results. Going to go results because, like, in fairness, what Andy said, it's just the key point. It's a results-based industry. You know, effort and whatnot doesn't necessarily go into performance to a degree. You can question, you can question the perception of the effort because I'm always one of the big things is, is the perception of what effort people, teams. Because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a full believer. You know, you don't go and play and give 50% when you're at that level. Um, but now, for me, I want to see, I want to see results. I know last year results were there and it was just like oof, this isn't fun to watch but on the whole let me see this result let me see results let me see you know titles being lifted I agree with I agree to that extent but I just think for me I, I'm going to say performance as well just from a personal preference of I, I would walk away from a game dissatisfied if we won but we didn't play well. Whereas whilst I'd probably go, oh, it's a shame that we lost, I could walk away from a game satisfied if the team put in a decent performance. I see I see that point, but I think, and when I say it's not a disrespect, I think that's very subjective in terms of what you deem as um, entertaining and what you, know, you deem as good. I know there's a lot of things that you can kind of, and probably we have done, um, where we watch games kind of agree a vagueness of what we think's a good performance. But I think a lot of it is still very subjective in terms of, of, of just how you see the game and whatnot. But as well, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying in the context of, you know, people will want that. And I know you, you have done before, but I, I think for me, sometimes, you know, performances don't win championships. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's a difficult one Strip, to say. Stripping it down to its bare minimum, because obviously good performances go over a period of time. We'll get you a championship, but stripping it down to a bare one-off game. Yeah, I, I think I think that's the other issue. I mean, I, you take out performance and over over long term, generally speaking, you take out performance, you don't get results. So we're talking on those scraggy games that are 50-50. You get the win, you drag the two points out of nowhere, um, or you play well and you lose. I, uh, to be fair, I think both can be satisfying, particularly those results where you, you win it in the last minute, where maybe you come back from behind and it's like like uh, Sheffield in Dundee. Yes. yes. When they brought it back, I'd, I'd gone upstairs, I'd disappeared because I thought the game was fully over. Um and I had a couple of bits of bobs to do around the house, so I disappeared, and then all of a sudden came back down to go, oh, is it over yet? Oh, no, we won. Sorry. 
<laughs> like, so, you know, you get games like that, flip side. You know, I, I think they could be quite satisfying. Cause it's quite funny, particularly when you've got Spike and Dundee fans sat in the same room. Um, and then the flip side is you get other games where it's, you know, it's quite dissatisfying sometimes to see a team play so well and then be pipped at the post. So games like um, the first game against Cardiff when we last had Moose in there, when it went all the way to overtime and then they got a an, unluck, an unlucky goal but he shot it, it hit the backboards, it mooses back and went in the back of the net. Both teams played stellar there, but we didn't deserve to lose like that. So I think I think it goes either way. But I think my, my look last year was the the games that were where you wanting the good performance when we didn't. How I was driving, I think that was my bad luck last year. Where I seemed to have all of them when I was driving, um, so I couldn't kind of disappear and just. Uh, forget what, what I just watched so but now on the whole I, I'm very much give me, give me the results give me the wins build on from there but yeah it's an interesting question another one we'll throw out on the uh, on social media yeah we're going to get a uh, busy social media this week if I remember to put them up on social media I'll, I'll set an alarm and I'll remind you 6pm yeah. 5.59 <laughs> we can't jump we can't jump on Sheffield and Morgan. we'll be 5.59 well, it's <laughs> low. Then that's not our problem, is it? That's true. Um, so, I mean, that, that brings us to the end of what I've got on the agenda, other than uh, a closing thought. As I say, we've not asked four questions this week. Um, however, Andy, I believe you have a story to uh, to end with today. Story time with Andy. You'll absolutely love it. Yeah, I've got two fantastic stories. Um, I was at the Best of British House of Camp, uh, which is in Sheffield every year, every uh, late June, early August. We had Robert Dowd, Ben O'Connor, Paul Heavey, many other fantastic coaches helping out. And uh, if, if you are a rec level player or you just want to develop, develop your skills, I recommend the camp. It's amazing. It's a five-day camp. You're on the ice every day. You get two, two ice time slots classroom off ice fitness it's fantastic so I do recommend that um, fantastic story from when we were at the uh, hot stove night which is basically uh, a Q&A session which was at Fire Pit Rocks we had Paul Heavey he, he, he was off it he, he was he was gone uh, I, I could tell you his story but he, he was too drunk I, I, I didn't catch all the words so yeah uh, Dowdy and, and, and Ben O'Connor uh, basically saying same, same a great, a great story about Liam Kirk, uh, and that is one of the uh, Slovakian uh, defensemen uh, just, just just after the uh, GBL had, had beaten France. This was in the bar afterwards. Uh, Eric Eric Cernak, uh, he's just broken through the Tampa Bay Lightning roster. A six foot four Slovakian defenseman. Um, he was basically trying to get past Liam uh, in, in, instead of you know, saying, "Excuse me." anything like that. He literally picked Liam with his drink in his hands by his, his armpits. He just lifted him out of the way with a drink in his hands and his eyes just absolutely lit up. Uh, so, oh, that was fantastic, that. And um, a few drinks then, obviously. Uh, Jimmy, very well celebrated like champions fantastically well. But, yeah. Um, anyway, the, the French team were upstairs in level above. We're playing the game on the big screen, and uh, the G players were basically just cheering every, every goal. 
every single goal, no matter who scored it, France, GB, don't matter, they, they celebrated it without knowing the French team were directly above them. So, absolutely fantastic. So, thank you. Thank you, Dad. You know, kind of those stories. Oh, dear. I, I've got to ask the... I mean, obviously, you'll not find out unless we bump into him on away games. Is did Liam spill any of his drink? Uh, they, didn't, they didn't say it, did, so I presume not. You can tell the lads from Yorkshire. Um, but uh, yeah, I can imagine that story about the cheering the goals just after the uh, after the, uh, the the greeting the French team was given on the bus when they left the arena. And we'll, we'll not repeat some of the comments made, but yeah, I can imagine that. They were friendly comments. Oh, very friendly comments. Fair play. I, I'm not even going to say anything else. Gonna, I, can, I think you probably told me already, but I can, if not, I can certainly imagine what those comments will be, but I love it, that. It'd be 18 plus, probably, I think, the rest of it. So yes. Yeah. Yes, it is, but... Uh, yeah. No, that's brilliant. No, that's a bit... Very uh, fitting way. Nice, nice couple of stories to end with this week. We're gonna, we're gonna make this a segment now. Story time with Andy. You're gonna have to come up with a story every week. I'll do my best. Maybe, uh, maybe, just, maybe just story time and just pick and have someone to tell a story. Yeah, it's just talking about sharing your PJs. Ready, you know, nice yeah. hot cocoa. In fairness, last week we had the. Um, I'll, I'll make sure I word it so it doesn't sound like Nugget Gate with Gref and his chicken nuggets. Um, you know, we, we could do this. We could be an interesting segment to the uh, to the show. Can we get a theme tune for it as well? Oh, God. I, I, never, I, never, I never job on enough putting the intro music on. You want me to like In the night garden playing in the background. Just some low-level music in the background just playing away. I will tell you what I'll do. Because the first story was about Gref's chicken nuggets, I will videotape Gref eating chicken nuggets with his mouth full. And it'll just be this, like, kind of chomping, moist noise of... Oh, so tomorrow then Chicken Nuggets been jumped <laughs> I feel like that could be another word that people would want to be banned not necessarily in sport but just generally chomp yes chomp no moist <laughs> I, I suppose that's one way of ending this week's podcast mate exactly so uh <laughs> Hashtag my moist fancy Zamboni. Um, <laughs> so I told you we've got enough time to start getting delirious. Um, what we do, I think this is a good time to end. So, uh, Dave, thank you very much, sir. <laughs> thanks, Joe. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Andy. Thanks to all listeners. Um, you know, we were about the numbers before we recorded. The numbers are getting there, so you, you must be liking what we're saying or just laughing at us while we're talking about. But Karen, doing it. Um, so thank you very much for listening. Now we've, now we've introduced the word moist to the 50% of the population that don't <laughs> like the word. Like the numbers are going to halve. It's going to be that podcast that have just said moist. That's it. It's just we, hit our, we hit our first podcast ton. That's it. It's going to be just kind of a career of just one podcast ton. It's going to be a load of 50s now. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Keep it to a moist 50. Um, <laughs> Greth, thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. Um, <laughs> moist, that's all we can say. <laughs> Andy, thank you very much. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Greth. 
Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I hope you've uh, really enjoyed this one as, as much as we have. Sorry, I need to say the word moist before I can move on. Moist. There you go. <laughs> no, thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, as Dave says, we're uh, you know, we're getting there with the numbers. We're happy to be in treble figures for um, a couple of episodes ago. So we'll hope to to keep the content going so that the uh, listens keep going. Please let us know if you're enjoying it. As I say, let us know if you've got anything that you want us to discuss. Um, let us know your most hated words in hockey. Let us know whether you like the word moist. Feel free to drop us anything on, on Facebook and Twitter. I'll say it one more time. At MSN Podcast on Twitter. My Fancy Zamboni Podcast on Facebook. And uh, for now, thank you very much. Cheers. <laughs>